Hey guys, whatsoever is true, welcome back. This is Jason Coyle, your host, and today's episode is about the recent news that John Steingard, the Canadian uh, of the Canadian Christian rock band Hawk Nelson, who is a lead vocalist, he is now out of Christianity. He just uh, did a did a post on social media the other day saying he no longer believes in God, and that this didn't happen overnight. So we want to get get into this. We want to talk about this. This is right up our alley about what w- w- this podcast is for. He he says something that I think think is exactly where we want to be very concerned. All right. He says he grew up in a Christian home. He was a pastor's kid. He played and sang in a Christian band, and and apparently been involved with that for you know most of his life, all of his life. And, and having the word Christian in front, this is what he's saying, having the word Christian in front of most of the things in my life, I am now finding that I no longer believe in God. Well, I want to get into this because, you know, I don't know about his church. I, I, I don't know that. I don't know his pastor. I don't know what was going on over there. So I am not indicting his church, okay? I'm not going to throw them under the bus. That would not be Christian of me in particular because I don't know exactly what the scenario was. But I'm going to use this as a as kind of a jumping off point because there's so much of it in Christian, in the Christian circles, in the, in the modern American church. Ladies and gentlemen, please bear with me because this is a thing that I'm very passionate about. Obviously, we, ha- we have a podcast about it. I have a blog, whatsoverstreet.com. And the issue is this, that there are so many of us walking around. Go, we go to church, and we don't know what what it means. Why we go to church? We go to church to worship God, to know more about God. Yes, to have fellowship with believers, but that's not the only place it goes that that happens. And I, I own a martial arts school, and I'm surrounded by wonderful Christian men and women, young men and women in particular, and and they are just remarkable people. And we so enjoy each other's company, talking about the Lord. Just last night, I left late because I was talking to to two of them uh, about issues regarding the faith, deep issues regarding the faith. We had a wonderful conversation. And and so sometimes people, this is like after hours, after the training is done, and and people will come in and, and, and talk with us about it. And we're not forcing it on anybody. And they come into the office of their own free will. And it's wonderful. Wonderful. So what I want to say, what I want to get into is that this is lost in a lot of churches. They, they don't know what Christian living is. And the word putting Christian in front of something like Christian rock. First of all, let me just tell you, I, 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 I resent that. I resent that because it's a very small view of God. You had a very, like a little G not a big G, not a capital G, God, when you think you have to have Christian rock or Christian literature. I, I write, go look at my Amazon page. I've got, I've got nonfiction and I have fiction. Is it Christian fiction? Is it Christian nonfiction? Ladies and gentlemen, everything that I do and everything you do, in accordance, in accordance with the command, we, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. There's no such thing as Christian rock. There's rock music or there's jazz music or whatever. And we either glorify God with that or we don't. Okay? Because, because you write a song and you mention uh, hallelujah or Jesus or whatever, it, whatever you have to put in there, it doesn't make it a Christian song. Christian song is a beautiful song that, that is transcendent or Christian literature. It's, it, are you telling me that, that, that Victor Hugo or Dostoevsky didn't write Christian literature? You think Moby Dick, Melville's Moby Dick, wasn't Christian literature just because it's, it doesn't have a specific spin on it? That, that's nonsense. I think that's caused more damage out there because it's dumbed down the Christian 
faith for people. They think you have to say Jesus Christ or, or whatever Christianese catchphrases you put in there. So in and of itself, I don't like that. It is Christian because it glorifies God. Whatever, you, can you, you be a Christian basketball team? Do you think the NBA is not Christian or the NFL or, or Major League Baseball or, or any other activity? It's all towards God. These are things that we do for the glory of God. They're wonderful things. You can play baseball or basketball and be a great Christian as you do it and give glory to God. Someone might not, next to you might not be doing that. It may be doing it for sinful reasons. But it is a dangerous mistake for us to say, well, that's not Christian. What is Christian happens in like a sub-cult mentality. There's, there was a thing with the emergent church a few years back. And they, they're going to do this thing about what the early church did. They wanted to kind of model the early church. They thought the modern church was corrupted. I agree. The modern church is corrupted. It's corrupted because it's not, it doesn't know the word of God. It doesn't understand it. And this is a good example of it. what happened to Mr. Steingard. Uh, so they started having home churches and whatever because that's what the early church did and so forth. So they, they, they imitated certain activities, but they missed the heart of it. They were out contending for the faith. They're going into the synagogue. They're going to the Areopagus. Wherever there were people and they could get in and talk with them, that's what they were doing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we should be doing. But we won't do that if we don't understand Scripture. We make a little sub-cult is what we do. And that has been so dangerous, which is what I want to get at. So first and foremost, right out of the gate, you know, I, once again, I'm very passionate about the subject because souls are being lost. This isn't like somebody changes teams and they trade. Like Tom Brady now is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's really weird for me. But, but it's irrelevant in the, long, in, in, in the grander scheme of things, right? Or some, somebody changes their diet or whatever. This isn't like that. This is, we're talking about eternal consequences. And the church needs to wake up. We keep worrying about sending missionaries overseas. You know what you need to do? You need to be sending missionaries to the, your businesses locally. Your church is a, be, is a training ground for the saints to send them out. And so that you don't have an evangelism committee in your church. Why have an evangelism committee? What, what, you, you learn the word of the Lord, and wherever you go, the word of the Lord goes with you. We don't have undercover Christians. We, what, think of how insane this is. Think of how insane it is for somebody to be in, in Christianity for 15, 20 years, and they don't know what's under the hood. Right? You ask them questions about something in Scripture, and they don't know. And, and, and the churches are worried about losing consumers. Now, I'm not saying that just Mr. Steingart Church, I don't know. I do not know, and I'm, I'm saying here is, I'm, I'm painting with a very broad brush. But I think a lot of you will agree that a lot of churches are more worried about giving people the experience or they're more worried about the, the tradition rather than making sure we're not having members picked off because there's, there's, there's ignorance, right? My people perish from lack of knowledge. That's what's going on. Shame on the church for doing that. Shame on the church for doing that and not making sure that apologetics and, and, and proper Christian principles are being taught and, and making sure that we're, we're, we're wielding the sword of God, the word of God, properly to, to take thoughts captive and make sure that especially your young people understand what it is to be a Christian. Because obviously Mr. Seingard didn't. Okay, so he goes on and he says... Uh, Again, he's very, he's very upset, and this is a hard thing for him to do, and we wish him the best. I, I, we love the man in Christ. What, I, what, what we want to be careful with is I'm not projecting anger towards Mr. Steingard. I'm projecting passion towards and, and fervent, fervent love 
of truth because this is how people are saved and lost right here. How are they going to be saved unless they hear? And how are they going to hear unless people are sent and they're preaching and so forth, right? So we have to understand the message. He says that it didn't happen overnight or all of a sudden. It had been more like pulling on the thread of a sweater and one day discovering that there was no more sweater left. This is what he thinks of the Christian message. You know, again, if you've heard my previous podcast, you know that, that my contention is that you can't make sense of anything in life, not a single fact, without Christ being at the bottom of it. Everything that you do outside of Christ is going to be incoherent. It's going to be internally inconsistent, and, and externally it won't make sense of the facts of reality. You cannot make sense of anything without Christ being at the bottom of it. So the fact that the church doesn't know this, walking around and having and then getting a subculture, oh, we have to have Christian music, we have to have Christian literature. No. You take all thoughts captive. Write a great book. Do a great song. Okay? Journeys don't stop believing. Is that a Christian song? Is it a non-Christian or secular? What, what does that mean? That's a, that's, a, that's a very irrational divide. If it's beautiful, if it's true, if it's, if it's of excellence, then that's godly. Just because Steve Perry is not saying, don't stop believing in Christ and hallelujah, doesn't mean it's now secular somehow. If it's good, if it's true, if it's beautiful, that's Philippians 4, that's where I get the, the title for this, whatsoever is true. Okay? If there's anything of excellence, think on these things. So automatically we have to get rid of this, 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 this uh, irrational dichotomy, this false dichotomy between Christian life and secular life. Christ is Lord over everything. Now, if music is glorifying sin or literature is glorifying sin or movies are, then clearly those things are problematic. But, but, there's still going to be things of excellence and beauty and truth in, in some of them because we're made in God's image. Okay, moving on. He says, he can simply no longer avoid it, I'm quoting him, processing this quietly felt right when I simply had doubts. But once they solidified into a genuine uh, point of view, it began to feel dishonest not to talk about it. So he noted that in his conversations with his friends, who, who also grew up in church, many also shared the same doubts. This is a tragic line. They share these doubts. That means the people who are going to church grew up around the church, and they don't, they don't know. Now, there's always going to be people who aren't real believers that are in the church. But what I'm, what, what I'm getting at, what I want to blast here, is this, this very, well, feeble theology. People are not teaching the saints. The church is more worried about making sure people have a good experience emotionally than feeding their minds. And all you hear it. Well, I'm about, I don't care about doctrine. I care about the person of Christ. How are you going to know about the person of Christ without the doctrine? When Jesus says, sanctify them in your truth, your word is truth. That's the key. Okay? So, church wasn't something he went to once a week growing up. It was his and his family's life, he said. As everyone around him believed in God, he did too. He recalled some uncomfortable church moments, such as praying in public and emotional cries for the Holy Spirit at youth events. The list of things that didn't make sense to him kept growing throughout the years. This is terrible. This is tragic. He noted, including the commonly posed question, Ready? If God is all-loving and all-powerful, and he is, why is there evil in the world? Okay, let, 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 me, let me stop. Let me stop. Ready? Why is there evil in the world? Um, because there's sin. It's right there in the Bible. There's sin. There's an entire book of 
of the Bible called Job uh, that really gets into what's going on a little bit behind the scenes. It's difficult for us to read. It's difficult for us to hear. In fact, Job hammers off a bunch of questions and he, he demands an answer from God. God answers him out of the whirlwind. The whirlwind symbolizes chaos of the things we can't understand. And you know what God does? We want to put God in the dock. We want to put him in the, on the stand. And nobody does to Job. He says, all right, Job, gird yourself up like a man. I'm going to question you now. And he says, will a fault finder contend with the Lord? We, so I want to be real careful when I answer this. God answers why there's evil in the world. We just don't like to answer. The answer is because there's sin. God is dealing with sin through Jesus Christ. Sin is the turning away from God. Sin is rejecting the God who is life, so therefore we embrace death. It's rejecting the God who is truth, so it embraces error. It's rejecting the God who is love, so we get hatred and acrimony. We see these things all around us. We're the problem. You see, Mr. Seingard starts from a premise that he's okay. The problem is out there. Every false religion and philosophy does the same thing. This is why when you say, well, all the religions are the same. No, they're not. They're superficially similar, as Ravi Zacharias used to say, fundamentally different. Superficially similar, fundamentally different. What's going on here is that they're positing a worldview where the problems for human beings are out there in the world. The system, it's the economy, it's something like that rather than in here in our sinful hearts. So, so, so he says, can he not do anything about it? He did do something about it, John. Jesus Christ died for your sin, for my sin. That's how God beats evil with good. The good of Christ dying for the saints. Does he choose not to? Again, he says, why is there evil in the world? Can he not do anything about it? Does he choose not to? Again, obviously this is the question of a person who doesn't get the gospel. This is tragic because he grew up in the church and he doesn't understand the most essential thing about the gospel. The gospel is good news for bad people. We're bad. We're bad people. We're sinners. I, I know that's offensive. I know people would tell you, well, don't tell people they're sinners because, you know, this is a consumer country and everybody, and you, you, if you offend a consumer, he's not going to come back. Well, I got news for you, baby, is if you're more worried about offending sinners than you are the holy God, you're not a Christian, or at least you're a very feeble one and you're doing more harm than good. So you need to stop doing what you're doing. What you save them with, as my pastor Rick Phillips would say, you save them too. If you save them with an emotional experience, they're going to constantly think that Christianity is an emotional thing that I feel very good today and I'm crashing tomorrow. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. He died for your sin. So he doesn't, it doesn't depend on your mood. So the artist came to the conclusion that the Bible can't be trusted because it, it, he felt in the end it is human, flawed, and imperfect. Now, John has a big problem here. The Bible says that, it, that all scripture is God-breathed, meaning, yes, people wrote it. But like a ship at sea with the sail up, the wind blows it. It's still a ship, but the wind is blowing it. This is kind of what happened with God breathe. So these people wrote, and they, and incidentally, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm small fry here. I understand that. But if John listens to this or anyone else is struggling with these things, think about this this way, is that the people who wrote scripture were, were prophets. Okay, when you talk about miracles and signs, you know, the book of John, the gospel of John talks about signs. John talks about signs because they were uh, they were affirmations is of Jesus deity of Jesus power of of the approval God's approval of the message like with Moses Moses did great miracles right 
how and why would this be in Scripture? There's not like people are turning around every other second. And this is one of the other great lies of modern Christendom, is that if you're a believer in God, you can do all of these great miracles and, and so forth. The miracles were designed to show the message of Christ and to confirm the mess, a message of God. That's what the miracles were for. The Bible is not full of all these willy-nilly miracles throughout history. In fact, the blind man, after Jesus restores his sight, is called before the Pharisees, and he literally gives them a great theology question. He said, who's opened the eyes of the blind? When has this ever been done in history? Right? So it goes to show you, all the way, the Jews who would know their scripture knew that nobody was walking around just restoring sight for the blind. That was a very rare thing. So John writes the Gospel of John, he was a disciple of Jesus. Matthew, Luke, Luke was an associate of Peter, and, and Paul, Damascus Road, he had an audience with, with Jesus Christ, so forth and so on. The Bible was not written willy-nilly by just people who had a good story to tell. They were appointed by God. Once, in, for, in particular, for the 27 books of the New Testament, when those disciples, those first-generation people who were associated with Jesus, when they died, the revelation was closed. You, know, you talk about the apocryphal books and so forth, like the Gospel of Thomas and so forth. They came on three, 400 years later, guys. You know, I'm not going to do a whole thing about that, but that's like me writing a, the new tell-all. Oh, find out the real story behind George Washington. And you're like, what? How, you know, George Washington, a couple hundred years ago, dude. How did you get the inside scoop on George Washington that no one else saw? Think about it, okay? Think about that. That's the same thing these so-called Gospel of Thomas and so forth. Oh, they were written well after, hundreds of years after. Jesus died in his crucifixion and resurrection, and they have no, they have no credibility whatsoever. So, uh, human, flawed, and perfect, John Steingart has another problem. Is that thinking himself right there is human, flawed, and imperfect? So he has to embrace bitterness and skepticism, because now there's, if everything is human, flawed, and imperfect, and it is without God, the only thing that John can embrace, like I said, is bitterness. Because all of us is sound and fury signifying nothing. Wow, tragic. So, he said it all felt like an obligation. Reading the Bible, praying and worshiping. An obligation. An obligation for the, for the Christ that died for you. Oh, what a horrible thing to say. What a horrible place for someone to be in their heart. I feel terrible for them. That's like me giving my wife an anniversary gift and saying it felt like such an obligation. How horrible. It's love. The Christian life is love of Christ because Christ first poured his love into us. It's not about keeping a bunch of rules. We, we obey God because he loved us and we respond with gratitude. He doesn't love us because we obey. If we mess this up, if we mess that up, it, it, there goes the gospel. So he said, I want to be transparent with you all and also open to having my heart change in the future. Again, his heart, not his mind. He's not thinking. He's feeling. I'm not looking for a debate at all. Um, well, wait a minute. You're not looking for a debate at all? I think we discovered another problem here. This is a debate. Everything's a debate. There's nothing wrong with a debate, John. Can I just say one other thing? And I know I'm kind of on a roll here. But listen, stop being little chicken Christians out there, okay? Stop wringing your hands and being afraid of offending. Stop worrying about offending unbelief. Start worrying about offending God. There, there is a debate. The early, the apostles were constantly debating. What do you think Jesus was doing? It's people kept trying to trip him up. They were always trying to catch him in something. 
Christianity and true Christians are not afraid of debating because the devil is a father of lies, John 8, 44. That's our primary function in a lost, in a lost world. The other function would be like what? Like uh, just go out there and just start killing people to make them converts? Okay, no. We, we reason with people. We debate with people. We serve a God who said, hey, come, let's reason together, Isaiah 1.18. He wrote an entire book about wisdom, Proverbs. So he says, I don't want to debate here. All right, well, yes, he does. He needs to debate. I just want a chance to share my story in the hopes some good can come from it. I love you all. How would you define love, John? If everything, if everything is human, flawed, and imperfect, how is your love not human, flawed, and imperfect? That's a contradictory statement, John. And again, I'm not picking on the guy. I'm telling you, hopefully, if you're hearing this yourself, think about what he's saying. He's borrowing the Christian premise of love to, and using it against it. And he says, well, I don't want to debate. Well, you're, you're, you're making truth claims, John. That's called a debate, unless you're speaking from on high. But what you do is then you hide behind, oh, I'm sincere, I'm sincere. That's what I mean, the mealy mouth, really wishy-washy, namby-pamby, good-for-nothing Christianity that's out there today is not biblical Christianity. So he said he's still open to the ideas that God is there. Okay. Uh, because, because the only thing you can come to is that no one can know the truth. Right? That's it. Um, and then a follower commented on his post saying that they enjoyed the band for many years and they admi I admire your honesty. Why would you admire honesty? If, if everything is just, if everything is flawed and imperfect and human, why would honesty matter? Why would you admire anything? That doesn't make any sense. See, what I mean? that's what I mean. If, unless Christianity is true and Christ is Lord, everything is incoherent. Everything's incoherent, including that statement. Why would you admire his honesty? Right? So he said, some, some, sometimes the best way to heal wounds like these come from taking a step back. I resonate with a lot of what you said about Christian culture. That's what he's, I'm quoting him here. I am a believer and I know God is not far even now. Okay, this, this, is, this is the person commenting. I'm sorry. She added. This is the commenter. I apologize for that. I will continue to follow your journey. I will pray that God reveals himself in an undeniable way. Keep pressing on. Um, so, this is the issue with, I want to make sure that we, and that was a comment, that was a very, very nice comment. I will continue to follow your journey. I will pray that God reveals himself in an undeniable way. That's a, that's a wonderful sentiment. Um, and I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for the grace shown to him. And, and I am not saying that, that uh, you know, we should be, once again, angry at, at people who are hurting. They're hurting because they don't have the truth. And the truth is Christ. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to have compassion for that. But, man, we've got we've to snap out of this, this, this thing that, that, oh, my pastor is... is uh, like a, I guess he's a professional Christian, and and I'm I'm not. I'm a, well, no. The Bible makes no such distinctions. Just saints. So we need to understand the truth. So we're ready to give an answer for anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. That is that is a biblical command, and we're and we're failing miserably with it because we so many of us don't understand the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His questions about evil and and suffering. You know, his, his questions about how can, you know, how can you trust the Bible? These are questions that Christians should know. They should study this. Last thing I'm going to say with this is if you are there and if you are struggling like Jean was and is, 
And if, if you're wondering about this, let me just remind you, and I can't do it all in one 25-minute podcast, but the truth is there. You find Christians. There's one thing you don't see from John. He doesn't want to debate. He wanted to just feel his way. But the heart is deceptive. You, you want to go and find the answers. They are there. They're in Scripture. But just like in Acts, so you have people looking at it. So do you understand what you're reading? And a lot of us won't. It's, it is difficult. When I say that it's there, it doesn't mean it's going to just jump off every page at you. You're going to need some mentoring. And so I call you to find a Christian mentor. Find, find something. Of course, you want to be involved in a local church. And hopefully this podcast helps and my, and my blog helps and so forth. But there, are some, there is some great Christian literature out there that will solve these problems for you, that will answer these problems for you. Christ is a solution. But these things will point to Christ and help you understand these issues as a Christian should. So all of that said, again, a tragedy indeed, a tragedy indeed that another a, a Christian has fallen from the faith. And... Uh, we need to see what, how, how unbelievably devastating that is across the board. And I think it's time for us to admit a very serious problem within the American Christian church anyway, is that we're not making disciples in the church that then send out into the world. We're worried about sending an overseas mission and raising a bunch of money. I'm not saying we should stop that, but if, if, if we're losing people in our town and then we're sending people to other countries, I think we've got a problem. If our evangelism committees are trying to come up with neat, cute ways to, to outreach for people, you've got a problem. Your outreach is the, are the people in your pews, knowing the scriptures so well that if you poke them, something biblical pops out. That's what we want. And then those people go to work. They go home. It's not a Christian thing. It's not a Christian culture. It's not a subculture. For crying out loud, that is not Christianity. Biblical Christianity is the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord over everything. So everything you look at, somebody says, hey, that was a really good, really good basketball game. Or that was a really good concert or whatever. Those are jumping off points to praise the Lord. I would say praise the Lord that there's such great athletes in the world. I love watching uh, Steph Curry. And I love watching, uh, you know, I'm not a huge LeBron fan. But, you know, I love watching LeBron. He's an incredible player. I love, I, and again, I like Curry more. But, um, you know, the, God gives such great gifts. And then maybe they might ask you a question about that. But again, that's an, that's an issue for another podcast. But everything, everything. For it to be real, and for it to be meaningful, for it to be true, has to have Christ at the bottom of it. All right, that's it for today. Again, I thank you so much for listening. This is your host, Jason Quarles, signing off. Whatsoever is true. Catch you next time.